I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams going boom, boom, boom to my own song. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse, a podcast of feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate and to get up in the morning or what they wish they'd known earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. And a whole lot of things that I want to be. All I got to do is count one, two, three. To my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me. Because I'm doing my thing and I hold the key to all my wants and all my dreams. Marie and Pat are amazing women who have experienced some of life's ups and downs and are living life fully. They're beautifully independent women. Marie experienced wartime as a child and shares some of those experiences with us. She also embraces adventure and continues to travel to exciting destinations. Pat is independent and determined, even as a child. At 14, Pat came down with polio and says that maybe it was a blessing as it changed her whole life. Both ladies had a variety of jobs that are fascinating as they raise their children. Before you finish listening, you will feel encouraged to seize the moment and see the opportunities as they come your way. Let's tune in. Stop to my own drum. Stop to my own song. Hello, I am here in Cary, North Carolina, talking with some ladies who are friends of my mother, Betty McManus, and we are gathered this afternoon. I just want to dive into these ladies' lives a little bit. They're fascinating and just want to follow wherever our trails go. Um, I have with me Marie and Pat, and uh, if you ladies could take a minute and introduce yourselves to our audience. We'll start with Marie. Uh, my name is Marie, obviously, and uh, I moved to Cary a year and a half ago uh, from Savannah, Georgia, where I had lived for 28 years um, after having been in several other parts of the country. My husband worked with AT&T, so we we were we moved quite a few times um i came here because my husband was not doing particularly well and i developed macular degeneration and could not drive any longer i lived on an island so in order to get to the stores or uh, take my husband or myself to doctor's appointments uh, it was time i have a son here in cary and daughter-in-law who had wanted us to come long before a year and a half ago oh. but I fought it um, very hard I wasn't ready to leave my friends what I knew and um, particularly my house I understand that and then I'm Pat 
and I came to Cary in 1960, uh, the hills of West Virginia. Um, growing up there, I just never felt like that was where I was supposed to be. So I had an opportunity to meet a man from North Carolina, and that was my ticket out of those hills. So you both had some experiences and had to go through some change. Um, I want to go back to early years, and um, I believe, Marie, you weren't born in the U.S., or am I on that right track? Correct. I grew up in Germany uh, in a little town near Stuttgart. Um, I was born in 1937, um, and it's um, an interesting story. My mother grew up in Baden-Baden, and uh, my father actually grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, wow. And uh, he, we had, um, they had family ties over there, uh, and he was going to be working in a family business. Um, and my mom was a distant relative, and she came to visit, and uh, they met, and they married, and my father actually took out German citizenship because he was going to be um, taking over this factory, and, um, you know, it he got married, he was planning to have a family. So uh, unfortunately, he passed away just before the war broke out with the states and with America, and that would have, could have presented all kinds of problems. Oh, I bet. I would think, because he was the all-American boy. He loved uh, sports and, um, it would have been awkward, and by that time, my brother and I had been born. Um, my mother actually had um, studied in England, so she spoke English fluently, too. Um, let me see if I can follow this train of thought. This is a very long story, and I don't want to make it long. But the upshot was, after the war, my mom... Um, we had a maid, and you could not have two women in a household after the war. One of you had to be working. So my mother taught really? uh, English in, in, in the local high school. Wow. And then, met, and then worked for the military government, the um, uh, United States military government, as a translator, and met my stepfather. And that's how I happened to end up in Albany, New York in 1948. Wow. So that was a transition for you to come to the United States. Yes, and I had um, school had had kind of stopped for a while during the heavy fighting and uh, so I had been tutored and I had some English, not a lot, but enough to make myself understood and being 11 I wanted to be exactly like every other American really? kid. So you oh, can yeah. remember wanting just to fit in oh, at that point? Oh, oh definitely. Within, within a few months, I was writing letters to my grandmother, and English words started to, you know, filter in. Wow. You know. so. And my, I, my stepfather said I could not speak German for a year. <laughs> well, after a year, 
<laughs> I, I never did again. So. Really? Mm-hmm. So did you lose the German uh, language? I mean, even today, can do um, you have I'm any? A little bit. I've been back there a couple of times. Uh, we had family there. Unfortunately, most of them have passed away. Um, but, um, you know, I can understand some. My brother was 16, and at 16, you you don't usually lose your native tongue. Right. But younger than that, um, you you really do if you don't use it. If you're not immersed in using it, it's I'm just sh- it's if hard. you don't use it, you lose it. You have that to is speak. a true adage. You isn't have it? to speak the language um, in order to retain it. Okay. How old were you when you came to the U.S.? Then? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So you still grade school and high yeah, school. Yeah, I went and right like into that. fifth grade. Um, I didn't. They did not, uh, you know, hold me back at all. So it was sink or swim. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of sinking. Yeah. <laughs> and they ultimately asked, swim. They, they asked me when I, the first day of school. Um, how how old I was and I thought the teacher said how are you and I kept saying fine fine (laughs) (laughs) it was very very embarrassing and very awkward well at 11 you know you you uh, so did you feel some of the peer you know we talk about peer pressure so much with young people today and did you feel uh, that or feel not particularly not uh, I just felt different and um, and this may have been in my own mind, you know, being German wasn't exactly popular. At yeah, I was wondering about that. Did you feel that? But I really, I assimilated very quickly. I, as I said, I wanted to be just like everybody else. So, uh, and I found friends right away. So right, right. Well, so you went. You were in the area of the war. Was that, can you remember any frightening or things that changed your daily life? Uh, well, I mean, you couldn't yes, go to school anymore, so yes. that. Yes, uh, and I don't really know. I think that w- may have just been a year or so at the very end of the war. Um, I once saw a Japanese plane. We, were, we, we played all day long. I mean, that's what kids did right. in Germany. We didn't have television and... <laughs> and and games etc we we just played outside and i remember being uh in a on a playing field and looking up and seeing this plane flying rather low with that japanese insignia on it and i guess i knew that and it was scary right and another time um we had um a bombing run in back of the factory and uh some and we were outside playing, and I remember we had basements, and I remember flying down those stairs. I don't remember taking one step. Oh wow! And wow. one more quick thing: uh, yeah, when when the um, when the Allied, when the American Army came in, they came in with their tanks, and we were all in the basement, and uh, all of a sudden, this gun came around the corner and this black face peered around the corner and I guess I screamed and my mother in English said I'm sorry but my daughter is frightened and you know (laughs) don't take offense and then everybody went upstairs because I heard that they were um, giving uh, the the GIs were throwing candy to the kids 
So finally I emerged. <laughs> I wanted some too. Pat, you were born in um, Western Kentucky. No, I messed that up. West Virginia. I'm sorry. I'm, this, I haven't done this before where I've been involved in two stories, so forgive me if my brain doesn't take a quick shift. But um, So tell me a little bit about you as a child and, and growing up. I was born in a little house on my granddaddy's farm out in the country, so I was a, a country girl. And when I was about a year, his second wife died, and so we moved into the big house. And this house sat in the middle of 80 acres. And I kind of grew up as an only child. I had a brother that was 14 and 15 when I was born. Wow. So basically, I was an only child. And I was one of those... Mom said, oh, dear, and because uh, I, I was an oops baby, I'm sure, because after having the one at 14, she didn't want a baby. So anyway, um, I grew up basically alone and no children around to play with or anything, and Mom thought was too she was too old to have a child or anything, and she, so she <laughs> it was something. But uh, she got rid of me at five. She sent me to first grade when I was five. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so you had to ride the bus in from the country and everything. But I, what little I remember about the childhood, I remember thinking, you know, this isn't bad. Daddy always had a garden, and we always grew our own food, whatever, pork, beef, whatever. And uh, I had all the animals on the farm were my pets. And some of them came in the house with me. Uh -oh. And, uh, yeah, um, Daddy had a pretty good job, but then he got sick and had to quit. And... Uh, so mom went to work at the five and dime and uh, so she would ride the bus to work and when i'd hear that bus coming i'd open the door and there would be a dog and a cat and a lamb and sometimes a pig had to go out <laughs> <laughs> they were all in the house but i made sure they got out before mom got home she didn't mind the cat but the dog and the lamb and everything had to go and uh, so it was a life. I had bunny rabbits. That was one of my favorite things was my bunny rabbits. And uh, I have a picture of me having a harness on my bunny and walking him like a dog. And, oh, uh, funny. Yeah, that, do that bunny would eat anything I ate. I would bring him into the kitchen table at supper time, and he'd eat whatever I put in front of him. If it took him out of my hand, he'd eat it. <laughs> so he was precious. But then, um, I don't remember much else about my childhood. Um, when I was 14, two years into my sophomore year, I came down with polio, and so I never went to school again. And um, so that was a, an interesting time. That was a real learning time. And uh, so I found out, you know, in the long run, I found out maybe having polio was a blessing. Really? Why would you say that? Because I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for that. Because it changed my whole life. I thought about always being a nurse and doing something, you know, there. But that, you know, I wasn't capable of doing anything like that. And uh, so, I, like I said, I met this guy. I, actually, I picked him up on a train on going on vacation <laughs> one time. <laughs> and I thought, uh-huh, you know. 
there's, there's some chemistry there. I kind of like this guy. And uh, found out later on that he'd gone home and told his mom that he had met the woman he was going to marry. And he was from North Carolina. And I never thought I'd ever hear from him again. But when I got back from that little vacation, it was the first time I went to the beach with my girlfriends. I came back and there were two letters and phone calls. And my mom met me at the door with her arms folded and says, daughter, what have you been up to? I thought, oh my gosh, how'd she find out so quickly? (laughs) (laughs) But um, less than a year later, we finally got married because it was cheaper to get married than it was to travel back and forth and pay all the phone bills. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So that was my ticket out of the hills. And so without polio, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have had that man. I wouldn't have my family, and I wouldn't have these friends here. That that's a great perspective. Um, polio was something that you saw a lot around you, or was it just? I mean, by the time I came along, we didn't have polio. So, how, how was what was that experience? Well, the polio I got was a year before this vaccine came out. And I was the only one in my county to get polio that year. So you just never knew where it was going to hit. And, you know, we we were in the country, so we didn't go to the lakes or those pools or anything that was available. And particularly during that period, you were warned not to go out to be in crowds because they didn't know how you got it, basically. But they found out later on, you know, basically it's kind of airborne. And sometimes one person is just more acceptable than the other to it. And... uh, so um, I spent my winter in the hospital and rehab and rehab for years after that. But I made a you know, real good recovery as far as what I didn't recover, I figured out a way of doing things the way I wanted to do them, you know. So <laughs> you learn a lot when you can't do something. You figure out another way of doing it. They may put that on my tombstone if I ever have a tombstone. She found a way. Oh, that's I love that too. That's great. So, did you did your mom ha- play a pretty important role in your attitude? I'm sure I picked up a lot of things from her. There were a lot of things. She was really great during the period I was in the hospital and everything. She was, you know, stayed with me and took care of me, and afterwards took care of me. But there was a lot of things that she did that I thought I can remember thinking. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to do that. And so maybe it was in me from the beginning to be more of an optimist. And uh, she was always going to worry about, she would say, I want to go do something. And she'd say, now what will the neighbors say? And I said, oh, well, as long as I know in my heart I'm doing the right thing, I don't care what the neighbors say. And uh, so she would get on me about that. But uh, I'm sure Mom set some good examples, you know, and got me on the right track and kept me straight probably more than <laughs> and so you know if we'd have a little fight about something I'd go to the barn be with daddy and work on the tractor and stuff so <laughs> I had ways of taking care of things so if you had somebody to give some advice to today that had to face an obstacle that could make you just say I'm done what would that advice be to that person, especially a young lady? I think sometimes the, God just gives you things inside of you when you're bored, and you just learn how to develop them. And um, you can 
you know, say, okay, I give up. And I've seen people in the hospital do that, and they never walked again. And I thought, you know, that's not for me. And so I'm not real sure what it is, but, you know, and you got to have some good support around you. You know, mom and dad was real good about taking me to therapy and saying I can do this and, and um, stuff like that. So, um, you know, I don't think daddy was ever one to put me down and say you can't do this he would say now i remember he taught me how to drive when i was nine years old and i couldn't even reach the pedals on the tractor oh my goodness but the old tractors had the throttle where daddy would run beside the tractor and get it going for me and i'd go and, and drive it around and around and i was really what i was doing was i was spreading manure from the barn and so I'd that come back. That doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> and I was coming back. Well, that's part of far- farm life. Okay, <laughs> I didn't have to pitch it. I just had to spread it. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody accused me not long ago. I was still spreading it. <laughs> that's great. I'll throw that kind of thought process back to you, Marie. Uh, you faced some obstacles. You could have... Um, made different choices along the way you had to embrace and want to be a part of of America what is there something you can remember that was a tremendous obstacle that you were like "Uh uh-uh I'm not not going down with this I don't know I think I always knew what I wanted and figured out a way to get it um I I think like Pat, I was an optimist. So I, if I wanted to do something, I I figured out a way. I had some interesting <clears throat> when when I graduated from college. I wanted to work in New York. I just had my mind made up. I was going to work in New York, and I loved fashion, so I was going to go into retailing so I <clears throat> got a job at B. Altman and Company which is an old established um, department store in New York City and um, I was in, on a, in a training squad so we had to go all around the store different departments I'll never forget the lingerie department uh, I've, <laughs> I became you know I was what 21 years old and um, because I was a college grad and I was in this training program, I was in charge of these ladies who had been there for, hmm, you know, 40 years and ran the department. And there comes this young whippersnapper telling them when they were going to lunch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and trust me, <clears throat> I learned very quickly who was in charge, and it wasn't me. <laughs> But in that process, I decided I really enjoyed um, interviewing people. So I ended up um, in the employment department interviewing um, not executives, trust me. I interviewed stock boys and sales ladies, and um, I did that uh, for a year. And I was making the paltry sum (coughs) of uh, $65 a week. Oh, wow. Uh, Which was not going to get you very far. I had an apartment in New York with two other gals, and uh, by the end of the week, we didn't have much to eat. (laughs) Oh, wow. So, um, interestingly enough, 
we had a, um, gosh, I don't know what her title was, but she was head of personnel, and she decided, oh, her secretary was um, out. It was, maybe she was having a baby, I don't remember, and she decided that um, I would sit at the desk where the secretary had. I had no shorthand, no typing. You know, I was never going to be just a lowly secretary. <laughs> so um, <laughs> after a few, you know, and I, I had all kinds of interesting jobs. So she would send me off to get her uh, children's birthday presents, and I had a good time. Oh. And after a, f a couple of months, she said, I'd really like you to to stay I, I want you to work for me and I'll um, I'll send you to learn typing and shorthand <laughs> I said I don't know I don't think so so I went to work at AT&T where I made $95 a week which oh, helped a lot there. so you're a college graduate at that point right mm -hmm. so that was not wasn't that difficult in that period was that typical that people that, that women girls would would get their degree encouraged by their not, families not really no and my mother and that's a whole other story very interesting wonderful lady who had beaten all odds by going to England and and studying nursing against you know the will of her family um, wow. uh, so she encouraged us very much, and, and unfortunately, the marriage didn't work out. And uh, so I, I got a scholarship to Elmira College, and my brother got a full scholarship to Dartmouth. Wow. So she encouraged us all the way, and uh, she actually ended up as, started out as a house mother at the university, and at the end became a, um, a director of housing for a big dormitory and she was loved by everyone I mean she was just a wonderful lady and loved young people and encouraged them as much as she could well it sounds like some of that definitely impacted you um, Pat what about you and your career path and and as you entered the school like I said, I didn't go to the last three years of high school. There was a, a what they called a homebound teacher who would come to the house once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. And um, high school just graduated me just because, uh, you know, back we then. Like her. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but by having polio, I qualified for a reho uh, rehabilitation vocab. Oh, add something or other, I don't remember now. But anyway, they helped send me to uh, a business college. And uh, so, because Daddy didn't have enough money to send me anywhere or do anything. And uh, so the, I went there for about a year and a half and learned everything I was supposed to learn in high school as far as shorthand and typing and so forth. So I became the secretary at an insurance agency. And so, therefore, that's how I had enough money to go on vacation one year. And uh, then once I got married, uh, I came down here and we had lived, we, my husband was from Wilson, but he was getting transferred to the Raleigh area. So we moved here in a month and he gave me a month to find a job. And uh, I remember wow. the first morning, 
<laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't making much money with his state, and so uh, I know the first morning he got up and left, and he had to get up and be in Henderson before dawn. So it was quite early that morning when Andy left Cary. And he said, Raleigh's down that road somewhere. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and so I got out the local newspaper and circled all the one ads and started looking and calling. And so I finally found a, a job, and it worked out well. And then when I had my first child, I uh, stayed home for a little while, but I really needed to get back to work. And so I put him in a daycare. And, oh, dear, that was terrible for both of us. So it wasn't long till I had to, I just couldn't handle it. I quit. And uh, so when I had the second child, I went back to work long enough to get enough money to make a down payment on a house. And uh, so uh, basically, um, well, maybe I had done that before. I don't remember the time. But anyway, I know when the second one was born, I was home. And I've been sewing for years and just making my clothes and things. So uh, he came home one night and he said, there's a lady in my office that needs some bridesmaid's dresses made, and I told her you'd do it. Oh, my goodness. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so I made six satin bridesmaid's dresses, my first professional job. And uh, so one thing just led to another, and I was no, I was happy with the children, and, and uh, I had started my little business in my house, and my daughter, I just, it grew and grew until finally it got so big I had to move out of the house if I was going to take on any more work. And I didn't do that until my daughter got a driver's license, so I would have her being able to take care of herself. So my husband always had his belly to my back, you know, and pushing me every step of the way. And because uh, I kicked and screamed when I had to move out of the house, I said, I'm not going. He says, well, you're not turning down business any longer. And uh, wow. so I made a deal with him. I'd go rent a place, but a year I was coming back home. And in that year, I rented another place that was larger. And the next time I rented a little place that was a little bit larger. And, oh, it kind of got out of hand. But anyway, it was interesting. And um, I just sewed for people or sewed for designers lately in the last year. And when my daughter turned 50 and I was still working, I thought, maybe it's time I close. <laughs> So at her 50th birthday party, I thought, yeah, I've worked long enough. I don't need to do this anymore. Oh, no. So I've been retired two years. Two years? Wow. Oh, my goodness. So you really have a drive that is just amazing to to keep going. But, but you also said that your husband was an encourager or... or Pushed or a pusher. <laughs> so, but I think that's one thing polo does for you. It it makes you more determined because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You know, on f the last day I was at school was on a Friday. I didn't know then I wasn't going to be able to get a walk on Monday to go back to school. Right. So you get that attitude like, I better get it done right now. Or I might not have a chance to do it. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of the way I've always done everything. So what about when your children came along? That was the drive you had for yourself. Did you find you had to pull back just a little bit, or were you a, a pusher as the mom? Or Well, I wasn't saying I was too much of a pusher. I just encouraged them to do whatever they particularly wanted to do. 
and uh, you know, my son wanted to stay in the kitchen and cook with me, and my daughter wanted to go out and play football. So you know, that's <laughs> that's what she wanted to do, and that's what he wanted to do. So that was a happy setup, you know. But uh, she was one of the few girls in the neighborhood that was the right age, and all the boys would come and say, "Wendy, can you come out and hike the ball? You're the best hiker we've got." You know? Oh, that's great. <laughs> and so Brian's inside taking care of me, and, and I, he, he knew that I, I needed help sometimes doing things and so forth. And he, if he could tired of messing with me or me messing with him, he would just pick me up and put me on a piece of furniture he knew I couldn't get off of and just walk <laughs> off and leave me. <laughs> so it was quite a lively household. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. Well, uh, just one more question on that on your life and that area of your life have there been times when you just thought dark and bleak and didn't really know where to go and if you did how how did you pull yourself further out of that of course there's days when you don't want to do anything and once in a while you gotta have a day of pity party you know so after that you think well this isn't accomplishing anything you know, it's not making me feel any better. So I better get out and, and do something or pick myself up and keep on going. And, and you know, um, when I get in a bad or sad situation, I love to go out and drive. I like to drive really fast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> any experiences with that that have um, ended in a different kind of way than you started out? I've only gotten two speeding tickets in my whole life. I've just been blessed that they didn't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> you were too fast. Oh, goodness, yeah. goodness. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Marie, what about you? As your career twist and turn and you decided which directions you were going, was there a, a particular drive or, or person that was involved in, in your drive? college um i ended up working for the i had every job you know i worked in the dining room i waitressed um and i ended up working for the president and his wife um yeah and uh she helped i would help with dinner parties and so i learned you know where to put the silverware etc cetera, etc cetera, and uh and actually had some interaction with their guests and uh it ended up that um because of that um um relationship i ended up working for the college after i was married we moved to chicago and uh tim was uh, he wasn't in nursery school yet but um i got a sitter and i started uh doing um interviewing uh students for elmira college and uh so that kind of fell into my lap and i loved it um but those same interviewing skills that you were doing in New York probably came right into play. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't interviewing stock boys anyway. <laughs> but I had to, and then we moved to um, Westchester County, and I had to learn, speaking of driving all over, I had to learn how to read a map, which I had never done before, and I had to find these schools. And sometimes I had to set up equipment, you know, to show... Uh, 
a film about the college and uh, just it was scary but I don't know I guess I was determined that's what I, I really I liked having I, I really it wasn't a question of the money although I liked earning right. my own money and um, you know being able to afford some things that I might not have um, and it was not full-time so I could be home when Tim came home from school I only had one child then uh, uh, I also did, um, I had a little business after I'm, we moved to Savannah, somebody mentioned that they did in-home clothing shows and I thought, oh, that sounds great. So I, I helped out a couple of times and ended up working for this company called Doncaster out of Rutherton, North Carolina. And we had, I, I had a partner at that point, and we had four shows a year, and we alternated houses. And uh, that's how I learned to use a computer, because <laughs> I had to, you know, I had to be able to look up things. Um, and we lived in, a, in, a, in an affluent community, and uh, I had to make cold calls at times to, you know, I invited friends, et cetera, but we wrote invitations, and then we would follow up on them, and uh, it was a scary situation to get on the phone and have a husband answer and say, and what is this about? <laughs> scary as heck. Very intimidating, but mostly it, I loved it, and I loved, um, I, I enjoy fashion and um, loved working with the clothes. I loved going to meetings. I got to go to uh, Boca Raton. I got to go to um, out the West Coast, and um, it was wonderful. And then I also, <laughs> when I was back in New Jersey, um, I played a great deal of tennis, and uh, I ended up, um, a friend of mine had a job at this tennis club um, just running the desk and she left for Florida so I took over that job and played tennis you know not full-time again right. just part-time and uh, she had also coached the women uh, the community college women's tennis team so then I took that job over too, <laughs> and and again, again, I had to learn how to uh, uh, drive a van, which I had never <laughs> terrifying, um, and 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 load up the team, and and I had the best time, and we actually won uh, the state championship, and could have gone to Texas, except um, that would have been in the spring, and this was the fall season and a lot of my gals graduated and one of my star players was someone I played tennis with who had decided to go back to uh, take some courses and I said Sue you have to play for me and sure enough she made the newspapers you know <laughs> Great. 40, 40 so you were recruiting <laughs> at the time. Right. <laughs> it was, time it was really so I had these interesting little side careers I'd never you know I didn't work full-time again and my husband was wonderful he encouraged me I remember when I started that clothing business I had to put up four hundred dollars and I sweated that out I thought I'm never going to make that back 
Well, we did in a hurry. So. Oh, wow. So, so that's, that's my... So what would you say to the young wife right now that's at home and, and not really sure what to do? Is I hear that you, as you tell these stories, you basically paid attention to opportunity. I, so what I would be your so. um, just encouragement? Seize the moment. If you see it, you know, if you see the opportunity, for instance, these friends were talking about um, this business, and I said, oh, well, you know, anytime you need somebody to come over and help set up the clothes or, you know, if you have too many appointments, I'd, lo I'd love to help. Just um, And that's how I ended up, you know, owning the business. There you go. You so never know I guess how it'll seize end. the moment, you know, and see your opportunities. And not everyone wants to work right. outside the home. But for me, it, it just... Um, it was a challenge, and I loved it. That's great. I want to switch gears completely. I want to ask about your favorite holiday, maybe remembering from a child or from your raising children or today. So a holiday, any across the board. Thanksgiving, uh, that's usually a time when everybody makes sure they get together. Christmas, the family's always been kind of small, so it's been really easy to get everybody together. My husband had a large family, so I guess maybe the Christmas times that we spent there with that big family was wonderful since I grew up as an only child, basically. Um, I remember when my children were out of state I'm one of the few people here at this facility that's here because I'm almost a native and uh, the children have come back to me whereas most of the people living here, they've come because their children are here. Uh, but I remember uh, I, if my son didn't like to travel that much so and he lived in Cary so we would have Christmas Day with him and then the day, next day I'd pack up and be wherever my daughter went. So she traveled a lot in different places, and so I always had some place to go. So I think one of the Christmases that stands out in my mind is the year that my son went to Florida with us while Wendy was working in Daytona Beach. And uh, she got a hotel room for us at one of the places she was working and decorated it with a Christmas tree and everything. And when I went in, all the presents were around the tree, but there was one tall, skinny present in the corner. And instantly, I knew what it was, had no idea that she was going to do this, and had no idea that she could even find one. But she knew I always liked to have a wooden Indian. And she found one outside of a cigar store at a mall and convinced the guy that owned the cigar store to sell it to her for her mom's Christmas present. And I won't ever forget that Christmas. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. I have to ask, why? Did you always want a wooden Indian? I have no idea, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It was a mascot in my high school. We were the oh. Indians, and I don't know. 
I came down here where they showed all the Redskins football games, <laughs> and I don't know if that had something to do with it or not, but I just was always fascinated with a wooden Indian. <laughs> That's great. Do you still have it? Of course. It's sitting outside my apartment. You'll have to oh, come and I'll see it. Oh, I'll have to go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's how I know where my apartment is. I look for the you Indian. You look for the Indian. <laughs> Very good. And that particular year, my daughter had this big motorcycle-type thing. It was a scooter, but it was like a... Uh, same size motor as the others and my husband and I love to ride motorcycles but it had been so long since we rode <laughs> that we went down there and we got on that scooter and I got on the back end and we realized he couldn't make left turns so everywhere we went oh, no, to get back home we had to make right turns oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we were just dying laughing by the time we got back because it, we felt so stupid that we had forgotten how to make a left turn <laughs> I can see why. Okay, Marie, your turn. Favorite, favorite holiday? Well, I guess it would have to be Christmas. And uh, in Germany, um, Christmas Eve is a very is much more a, a much more special time than it is here. Uh, we open our presents. Christmas Eve in Germany oh, wow. and I remember my brother and I shivering <coughs> and we, we were put to bed in the afternoon because you know they brought out all the I had doll houses and miniature stores and he had a train and that only came out at Christmas time and so we were put to you know into bed or whatever we you know get rid of us so they could set <laughs> up they could set up all of this and then when we got up, we could, you know, it was wonder. It was just... The magic began. The magic began. I loved the little store because it had drawers and, um, you know, you, they put sugar and, and, and things in it. And, of course, I loved my doll houses and dolls. I don't know what's happened to them. Somehow oh, they wow. got left behind. Oh, uh. So did you bring some of that tradition with you into your family and with Tim? Well, uh, not, not so much because my husband grew up here, and um, I think we let Tim open one present uh, Christmas Eve, but no, we had the traditional. Um, uh, but my brother um, <coughs> bought a place up in New Hampshire, and the first year they bought it, they went out and, and cut down uh, a blue spruce. And my sister-in-law is from Switzerland, so they put on real candles. Oh, my. And it was, you know, typical German. It was just wonderful. I would be terrified. I won't even let my family light the fireplace because well, we live in a wooden yeah, uh, frame the house so that but I bet that was gorgeous well they put out you know this they were only on for a certain oh, yeah. amount of time and the tree was totally fresh they had right. gone out the day before to cut it down how beautiful so, yeah it was and it was cold <laughs> oh really <laughs> that's a memory you have there of the, yes. the cold yes um well that that's great Pat what about um your biggest success that you can think that you're just really proud of something that you um, dedicated yourself to or just 
something that you kind of look at yourself and go, that was pretty good. Just something that you are very proud of or um, just the opportunity or something that you've come along with or something along the lines that you've mastered or or Marie if something pops in your mind as we're talking Is that's that a tough question I guess Ray I just had one child and seeing him grow up and encouraging him to try everything um, even though he might not have been good at something um, and just the joy of watching him grow up. Okay. Anything past your mind? I was just thinking about how proud I am of my daughter and my grandchildren, but I don't know that that's anything to really contribute to me. They just kind of, you know, we just all kind of fell in together. And, and I saw how different my children were, uh, and I wondered how, you know, they could be you know, one was more like my husband, one was more like me, I guess. And uh, so um, my daughter has raised two wonderful children, and they're, they're just really terrific teenagers, and so I'm real proud of them. And they've gone through <clears throat> some hard times. My granddaughter's had some, a hard time last year at college, but she still made perfect grades and everything. And um, she, the hard time was that she had a stalker. And I was real proud of the way she handled that. And uh, so uh, I'm sure that, you know, somebody has set an example someplace, but I never realized it because I looked at my kids and I'm thinking, how did I get so lucky, you know? When I look at other people's children, sometimes they've got problems and troubles and everything. So uh, I'm just real happy that she's come out and she's been a good mother and she married a fine man that's a good daddy. So that was a wise thing to do for her. So as you've watched your children grow, your grandchildren, and uh, you, you have these blessings, uh, is there a bit of advice that you might give to that, that young lady that's in college or that having a stalking situation can make you go deep within and not come back out and face the world? So is there a, something that you think along the lines that, is an encouragement or a make sure that you don't miss this box that you can check off? I just always let them know that I'm here for them if they ever need me. And I keep the door open. And I've found that I don't give advice when I'm not asked. And I think that's one thing, that when I say something, they know that I mean it. Um, I was never one to threaten. Uh, I just said what it was, and if they didn't follow through, you know, sometimes I'd count to, th you know, I'm saying I'm going to count to three. Well, thank goodness they never let me get to three because I don't know what in the world I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think you just need to keep able to let them talk to you. And don't criticize whenever they say something, you know, that you may not like. I always picked my battles. You know, my son had long hair for years and years and years. And my husband didn't like it to begin with. I said, honey, it's only hair. So pick another battle.
That is very good. And and I think sometimes as a, a mom, you can get real tripped up in those little senseless details. What about Marie? What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> what, Just uh, the, uh, some advice, contribution, what okay. maybe example that you have shown or? Well, um, I know my son started work, he, he, he became a lawyer and he started working for a local firm here and he went to Duke and he came back to North Carolina um, to work and he, um, he had to travel a great deal for this job, and I remember him calling one night, and he was utterly disgusted. He said, I just, I don't have a life. I come back to North Carolina. I don't know anybody. I've been in Texas for a few months, you know, uh, on assignment. And he said, I just don't have a life. I think maybe I should just look for another job. And he had only been there for less than a year. And I remember, I don't know where this came from, but I said, Tim, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, stick it out. You're the you're the you're the the newest member of this firm. You're not married. You don't have children. Of course, they're going to send you out um, because you don't have those ties. I said, just just stick it out for a while longer. And sure enough, he became a partner, and um, you know it worked out. And not too long ago, <coughs> my, my oldest grandchild um, decided he was working in Washington. And I remember we had this conversation, and uh, he decided to <coughs> to pick up stakes with his girlfriend. Um, they had great jobs in Washington, and go to Denver. They just, and I remember encouraged, I said um, to Jeff, do it now. Do it while you're young and you don't have ties. You don't have children. You don't have those responsibilities. So I guess that's the advice I would give a young person. You know, stick it out and try new things while you can. Because once you have a family, things change. Very good. But as you age... You ladies appear to have embraced change once again and don't seem to have closed your door and sit back and let life keep passing you by. What about today? What's life like today as you are an older woman, still quite young, as I sit here and, and look at you, both of you are such beautiful women that I, I wouldn't even probably guess your age correctly. Um, so what... What about that? How'd you embrace the next stage, those golden years? And we'll start with Pat. Well, you just, it's another chapter. Uh, like I said, I've only been retired two years. Uh, the first year was kind of a blur because my son got sick and I had to, a lot of things to tend to with him. So it's just been in the last few months that I've really, really been able to sit back and say, okay, this is retirement. I've this is another chapter. I better make the best of it while I've got it. And I look around at all the nice people I've met since I've lived here and uh, the examples they ch set, just like your mother. You know, mm -hmm. she hasn't stopped doing anything. She claims she's going to stop doing some few things this year, but she's been doing it all these years for so well. And uh, so uh, I just look forward to the next adventure. You know, I don't like to sit home and 
not do anything. If somebody says, let's go do something, I sure will try it. You know, Steffi's talked to me about um, skydiving. That what? might be off. <laughs> you and George, <laughs> George Herbert so at 90. That might be the thing I'll do as one of my last ones. If I'm going to go out for a bang, I'll go out well. <laughs> a bang and a splat. Oh, my goodness. I, okay, I hope Marie. you got a good-looking man to hang on to as you get out of the plane. You know, sometimes you go in tandem. I think <laughs> <laughs> I would pick the best-looking guy. Yeah, I, would, I would, wouldn't mind a hunk, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Marie. Well, it's kind of still new to me, but I I see some people just shutting themselves away, and 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 I'm desperately trying not to. I've had my moments too. I lost my husband uh, um, within four months of of moving here, and that was tough. Um, <clears throat> but I have a wonderful son, and. Uh, like Pat, I'm from a very small family. Um, I just have a brother and um, and a sister-in-law and son and daughter-in-law and four grandchildren. Uh, I, I, a lot of pe- I, I decided to, to have my last hurrah, so I decided to go on a trip to Spain by myself. By yourself? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, um, you know, I had an abs- I was having the time of my life when I managed to crash onto the deck. But I don't think it would stop me again from doing something like that if I can afford it. Yeah? <laughs> um, so I you went, You where did you go? You were headed out? I flew out. into Lisbon, and then we got on a, um, on a huge sailboat. And it was going up the coast to um, Barcelona, where I had never been. And really, that was where I wanted to end up. And Mallorca, because Rafa Nadal, my favorite tennis player, is from (laughs) Mallorca. And I was determined to see the island of Mallorca, but I didn't make it. So maybe I'll try again. I'll have to go again. But everyone here, they just look at me. You're going alone? I, I never, it never, I, sure never I, I, I never, it never occurred to really? me. Really? Really. I mean, people are so nice, especially when they see a little old lady. Yeah. <laughs> that might so. be to your advantage there. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, awesome. I had, I had the best time on the boat. I had two groups that kind of adopted me, and I was only, you know, on this trip for four days, but one group was from Fort Worth, and married couples and my son's age and another group from indiana and they just kind of included me it was fabulous that is great that is great all right i have a question for both of you ladies and i am almost scared to ask this question because i just have no idea where you're going to go with it but if you had one superpower one superpower you could do anything just 24 hours that superpower what would your superpower be? One superpower. Hmm. It only lasts for 24 hours? Only 24 hours. I wouldn't need that much time, probably, if I got what I wanted. 
Here we go. I want to rig the lottery so I can get all the money I need from the lottery to take my family and live in Honolulu in one of these high-rise business buildings. Okay. That will work, wouldn't it? It does, and perhaps they should start packing now. <laughs> so, Marie, how about you? Um, I'd like to live long enough. Uh, well, no, that's not really the question, but I'd like to, to be at my um, oldest grandson's wedding. Um, and and even the younger one. So I'm hoping that, but that's not really your question. A Twenty-four a superpower. You have twenty-four hours for a superpower. But I like the fact that you'd like to be at their um, wedding. Maybe Spider-Man, where you can not worry about falling. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Throw out a web. Exactly. Well, I'd have a ball. I'd 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 probably go to a spa and you know just. Uh, right. Um, just have a wonderful day. And so perhaps your superpower would be the ability to uh, jet set everywhere in, 24, these, in 24 hours, hours to yeah. the spa of uh, your choice. They don't have the Concorde anymore, but go to Paris there you go. <laughs> for the day. Ladies, this has been absolutely amazing to me. I feel very blessed and honored to have um, had this time with you. I, I do have one question, and I know it's a tacky question, so you can say that's just not appropriate. But do you mind telling me how old you are? Well, I'm proud to be 79. Okay. And I just turned 82, and I was on the plane when I had my 82nd birthday. Going awesome. To Spain. Yeah. Well, I think you have packed a lot in your years, and I am blessed to have met, met with you today so thank you and um thank enjoy you oh, this was so much fun thank you really yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum I got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams going boom 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 these two were precious I hope you enjoyed the interview and discussion as much as I did to be there. My takeaway was not to ever stop living. The conversation was fun and I see relationships and memories that will build a lifetime. Thanks for tuning in. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, and you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life.